Today's episode of the Cityus Mag Podcast on the Cityus Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by Strava. In recent weeks, I've been telling you why I think that Strava is the best fitness and training app for athletes by athletes. So, in addition to their app and their website that connects runners and cyclists from all around the world, they are now tapping into the podcasting game. Earlier this month, Strava launched the Athletes Unfiltered podcast. As of right now, there's only one episode out, so it's very easy to catch up. The series aims to tell the stories of inspiring runners, bikers, and more from the Strava community. So, here's a quick teaser. I had nothing to lose. I thought, oh, could I ever run across America? Welcome to Athletes Unfiltered, a new podcast brought to you by Strava. On the show, we'll hear extraordinary stories from the Strava community, told by the runners and cyclists who live them. I was all bruised and scratches. I've done 6,500 miles since they told me that I would probably never ride a bike again. You can subscribe to Athletes Unfiltered right now because every athlete has a reason to keep going. There you have it. Athletes Unfiltered. Check it out today on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast fix. I saw that it hit the top 10 of the sports and recreation charts on iTunes when it first launched. So that's actually very, very neat. Also, Sidious Mag podcast listeners still have the chance to try Strava's premium features on Summit. All you got to do for that is go to strava.com slash summit and use promo code Sidious, all lowercase, that's C-I-T-I-U-S, while purchasing an annual subscription and you'll get an exclusive discount. Once again, that promo code is Sidious, all lowercase, on strava.com slash summit. Strava Summit, try it today. My guest for today's show is Grayson Murphy. She is a professional runner with the Hoka One One Northern Arizona Elite Squad. We've had quite a few members of that team on the podcast, including Steph Bruce, Scott Fauble, Scott Smith. So all you got to do is go back and listen to those episodes But on this show, we are going to get into how Grayson went from playing soccer to running in college at Santa Clara and Utah before finally turning professional. She also opens up about how journaling is something that she's gotten very, very into. She's even released her own type of planner slash training journal, and you'll hear all the details about that. Writing about her day is something that has helped her cope with anxiety It's very interesting when we delve into the specifics behind that. So all that and more on this episode. So without further ado, let's start the show. All right, now we welcome on Grayson Murphy to the podcast. Grayson, uh, first off, I guess you just got done with like a workout this morning out in uh, Sedona. Yep, we did. Mm-hmm. So how'd that go? It was a tough one. <laughs> um, it was tough. It, it's one of my first kind of full workouts coming back from being injured this fall. So I was a little nervous going in, but it went all right. And it was fun to get back on the track and get some turnover in. Yeah, for sure. So I guess like what what have the last couple of months been like for you? Because just kind of catch us up on 
your first, you're six months in maybe, I think into your first professional yeah. season. And from my understanding, you were dealing with a couple injuries at the end of last year. Yeah. So I um, was kind of just patching it together to get their USA's in the um, summer and steeple was taking a toll on me and then uh, took some break, but some things just, I had plantar fasciitis and it just hadn't really cleared up and I just kept running on it um, thinking it was plantar fasciitis and then it was getting pretty bad and I got an MRI and it turns out it was torn. And so I had to take two and a half months off. Um, so it's been a process getting back and a lot of cross training all of October and November, almost no miles were run. So it's been a slow process getting back to workouts, but finally we're doing some. How tired does your body feel after such a long season where I guess you did run all of cross, you ran indoors, you ran a full outdoor season. And then after that, you extended it all the way to USA. So pretty much coming off the track in Des Moines, where it's crazy hot. <laughs> yeah. How tired were you? I was exhausted. Uh, I remember making it to the final at USA's for steeple. And I was like, yes, but no, I don't know if I can do it because I'm just so tired. And uh, at that point, like I'd been tapering for four weeks beyond NCAAs. So I didn't even know if I had anything left in the tank. So that was kind of just like, whatever I've got is going to come out on that day. Um, so yeah, that was a really long season. Hopefully not to do that again ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> steeple, I guess, is that still something that you're going to maybe look at for 2019 or is this is that something because you have, I guess, focused on some 10K road races in the past couple yeah. months? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we haven't completely ruled it out. Um, the group I'm with, Anizeli, isn't a steeple group by any means, but uh, I think that it's a fun race to just jump into once or twice, um, especially if I have the skill set to do so. It definitely, I don't see it being um, my focus by any means, but I think that. For fun, I might hop in one or two this spring. We'll see how it goes. Can you describe what it's like for someone to stand on that starting line, especially at a point where the U.S. steeplechase on the women's side is just so deep, and just mm -hmm. being able to look around and see, like, okay, there's Courtney Ferrex, there's Emma <laughs> Coburn. It's like, God, like, what what goes through your head at that point when you're you one, you know, you're tired, and two, you know that their their PRs are just so much faster. <laughs> Yeah, that was super intimidating. Um, just even going into that race, knowing that I was going to be racing the world champion and the world silver medalist. And I, on the other hand, have been tapering for four weeks and I'm finishing up a nine month long season and don't know how much I have left. So that was really intimidating. But at the same time, it was really cool to line up next to these girls that I've idolized and think are really cool and admire so much. So it was a bit of both, very bittersweet. <laughs> Let's walk it back a bit and take listeners, I guess, to how you got to this point. You weren't a high school cross country star or anything like that. You were no. <laughs> a soccer player and you kept playing soccer through your freshman year at uh, Sweetbriar College in Virginia. Yeah. So growing up was soccer pretty much the focus the entire time? Oh uh, yeah, me and my, I have a twin sister and we're both super athletic and also super competitive. So we both played 
basketball and soccer for a little while growing up. And then I got to a point where my parents were like, all right, you have to choose. Like, you can't be in the same sport anymore because you guys are going to kill each other. Um, so she went with basketball and I chose soccer. And ever since then, so probably like middle school through all of high school and then into college, it was soccer. How good of a basketball player were you before you gave it up? Uh, I was not as good as she was. She's definitely better than me. <laughs> we chose the right sports. <laughs> Let's yeah. say that. And then soccer, like, I mean, pretty much like how deep were you into it? Because I guess like some people started at a really, really young age and then yeah. keep it going. Um, all the way. I guess we started like club soccer, which is like travel team and a little more competitive when we were probably in seventh grade. So not super early, but early enough and then by the time I got to high school I was all state and on a pretty like one of the best teams in the state so that I think I was like pretty indebted into it at that point and then just knew I had to play soccer in college so I did do a lot of like college recruiting for soccer and camps recruiting camps um so yeah it was a big part of my life definitely very much into it what did you think of the kids who ran track at that point I thought they were nuts I thought that sounded like the worst sport I could think of and kind of at my high school the track team was what you did if you couldn't play another sport and you just got a PE credit for it so a lot of kids would just go and walk for half an hour to get their PE credit um so it wasn't like we had anyone that was breaking records and then cross-country practice at the same time as soccer did and I always remember seeing them being like wow that looks terrible I'm so glad I at least have a ball to kick around because I just don't want to go just to run just to do it that sounds awful were there any any signs where maybe like the high school cross-country coach was asking the soccer coach like I think Grayson should run cross-country or track <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, I was best friends with the um, cross-country coach, coach's sons, and so he knew me pretty well outside of running, but had seen me play soccer, and he would always make jokes, like, you need to be on the cross-country team, and we need you, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds terrible. No way am I going to do that, um, but me and my sister did have a bet our senior year. We did one track meet together, kind of because our friends bet us into doing it and she's fast as well and so we just did it just for kicks one day and we did really well we both qualified for state and then we were like this no like we're never doing that again that wasn't fun so what that was where it ended uh just who would run faster um and then we had I think the track coach he convinced us he's like just do it one meet for us and just see what you think and so we did, and we both hated it, and that was the end of it. <laughs> so you you go, you play college soccer for one year. What factored mm -hmm. into the decision to then transfer to Santa Clara? Um, I just wasn't having fun playing soccer anymore. I kind of got burnt out and just wanted a whole change of everything, change of scenery. Um, so I went to Santa Clara for engineering. Uh, they have a really good engineering program and then California just because I thought it's California who doesn't want to live there so warm um, yeah uh, exactly right now you're in Flagstaff I'm in New York and <laughs> I'm freezing <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's snow outside so I thought that'd be a good change and then I actually didn't contact the coach till pretty late 
I think I decided to go to Santa Clara already and then just sent an email asking if I could kind of try out or walk on or something. And they're like, yeah, we wanted to let a guy on too. So we'll let you on. So we have like even numbers for title nine and it works out. Um, so I just showed up and he knew I told him, I was like, I've never run before, but I'm pretty good playing soccer. So that's about my experience level. So they kind of just helped me out and it just blossomed from there. What was the tryout like? Uh, it ended up not really being a tryout. They're not a super competitive team. And um, I don't know, He, I showed up day one and didn't know like what a running watch was. I'd only known how to run with like the Nike app on my phone. And I think after that, he was like, okay, she knows nothing, but we can see what happens. And I worked up to like the top workout group pretty quickly that first fall. So I think after that, they were like, we'll keep you and just see what happens. So yeah. <laughs> They squeezed three school records out of me in that time, so. So and it wait, worked out. <laughs> yeah, three school records, and then like you, how long were you there for? You were there for two years. Two years, yep. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm guessing those records are still standing, or. Uh huh. As far as I know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you get to Utah, then I guess what for your final two years of mm -hmm. eligibility, um, what went about that decision? Uh, after two years at Santa Clara, I kind of realized that running was going well and Santa Clara was expensive. And I thought if I can get like use this newfound skill to pay for my last two years of college, let's do it because I need to save my wallet. So I was looking at schools that um, I thought I could get money from and that I think also had good engineering programs because that's always been a big focus of mine. And then as well as being a team where I thought like had the resources to get me to running professionally. Cause I think after two years, I kind of had my heart set on this dream that it'd be really cool to run professionally. So it came down to between Utah and New Mexico. And I ended up going with Utah just cause I'm from Salt Lake. And I thought it would kind of minimize the risks if I had my family there and grew up on campus. So I knew like at least where I would be running. So yeah, then I went home. Why engineering? Um, I've always been really into math and science, and engineering was a little more creative than just a straight mathematics degree or straight chemistry degree. So I decided engineering would be a good way to go to give me a little bit more options and creativity. And so how are you trying to, I guess, like still use, I guess, like those skills that you learned from, <laughs> like, from, from college into, I guess, being out in Flagstaff like it's yeah it's like you want to have like a you know a pretty thorough and like complete professional career but at the same time mm -hmm. you don't want to like lose everything you just learned yeah right I so I got a part-time job with a local engineering firm and they all work from home and it's super flexible so it's perfect for my schedule as a runner and they just give me little tasks and um, get my advice on stuff and so that's kind of how I've been able to stay somewhat involved in the engineering side of things so I don't completely lose everything I spent five years learning. Uh, when you finally, I guess, moved out to Flagstaff and you realize, like, I'm a pro professional runner <laughs> now, and you added this this part-time job, but those first couple weeks or months when you realize, like, I guess I just have to, to run to, like, make a living, <laughs> how did you spend some of that free time? 
Um, it was really weird at first. I found myself really missing homework just because that was something I knew how to do. And I didn't, there'd be nights I'd be sitting around with my roommates and it's like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, do I watch TV or, because in college it was just homework and engineering and running. And so with that whole big time suck going of engineering, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, but that's kind of how I got into the bullet journal, actually, the journal I created just because it was a project and it gave me something to do and occupy my time. And then it blossomed into something way bigger than I expected it to be. Yeah. And so I guess that's kind of like the, the exciting news that you wanted to share with yeah. these listeners that these you've put together these journals for people to kind of like help keep their everyday planning. It's not even just training it's not a training log it's like you could do yeah. a bunch of stuff and like rec- pretty much everything that you do throughout the day and you said i think in one of your blog posts that you carried around with you pretty much everywhere <laughs> you go yeah, um totally. you, and at the same time you also wrote how it like became a really helpful and like cathartic experience for you to mm-hmm. just spend your time journaling what was what was that like yeah so it started i'll give you a little background it started out because one, to give myself something to do, and two, because I was frustrated because I was carrying around my training log and my planner, so I had two books with me all the time, and it was just kind of getting in the way of things, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could put everything in one place? So I started making it, um, and then slowly realized that it was also helping me kind of tame my anxiety that was going on. I started in July. So right kind of when I was making the transition from college to running pro. So it's kind of a tumultuous time to begin with and just sitting down and focusing on a task that was pretty mindless in some ways, but also required some thought was pretty good for me. And I like the adult coloring books. I kind of like that idea, but it was never purposeful in my head enough for me to do it. So having the journal it was like this means something but it's also cathartic like coloring and it's been helpful like especially when I was injured I went back and was able to look at like graphs I'd made and like when did the mileage become too much and like at what point did I feel like was the tipping point and like what we identified that I think um, with my coach I need like a cross train day or off day almost every week, which we weren't taking. And in the block leading up to my injury, we kind of like discovered that because I'd been tracking what I was doing. So it ended up being a really useful tool in more ways than one. Yeah. When you say anxiety, I mean, what what was that like? And the the experience of like the feelings and emotions you were going through at that time? Um, I've always struggled with anxiety and like it's diagnosed, but I think with going through for me, having an unknown, a huge, like, I don't know where I'm going to be living even in the next three weeks and things like my whole life is about to change, but I don't know any of it. Um, that was really hard to just like kind of be in the dark about a lot of things. That whole process of going pro is very gray area everywhere. Like nothing was clear. And so I think just that being in the dark and the unknown was what was giving me the most anxiety because I like to be able to plan things, hence the planner. Um, so I think that was, yeah, kind of what I was experiencing. And it was just kind of like a panic, I guess, that went with the anxiety. Like, I don't know what my life is going to be even in the next three weeks. And right now you feel like you've kind of found a healthy balance with everything? 
Yeah, I do. I think uh, like dealing with the injury, I experienced a whole other side of the anxiety of feeling just like down and I couldn't work out. And I don't know, it was supposed to be my new job and I just got injured like right away. So I think coming out of that, um, the planner has helped me kind of find a balance and focus on being mindful each day. It's like a little 10 minutes before bed every day that I can just focus on like reflecting on what the day was like and then close it up and that's it. And then I can go to bed. I'm kind of curious when you log something and you write out, I guess, your experience from cross training. Is it something that when you go back and read it and you're healthy that you can tell is like, man, I was really sad at this point? Or is like, or is it instead, I, I was so angry at this point? What, what is probably the more overwhelming feeling <sighs> you can get from rereading some of those entries? Yeah, probably both sad and angry. I think it just really depended on the day. There were days I was like so angry. I would just like walk out the door and go for like an hour long walk just because I needed to move. And then there were days I was just sad and just like sit on the couch all day because I don't know, it kind of was an up and down roller coaster. But I can definitely tell I track, tried to track my anxiety too. So I can be like, oh, I was really anxious that day. And that's why I felt really sad. And kind of see like there's a correlation um and then the sleep too I started tracking hours of sleep each night and then realized like oh I get more anxious and sad when I don't sleep eight hours so that was pretty helpful to figure out too but when you were in college how did you keep track of everything uh I had a planner just like an academic calendar planner from the school the free ones and then I had a training log separately the belief journal which I loved, but I wanted them combined because um, I did end up carrying both around to races all the time when we traveled. Um, and I didn't actually track like the anxiety or I tracked miles, but not on a graph. Um, and then I didn't track sleep or anything else. And for me as an engineer, the graphs are really useful and I like to like visually see things. So um, that was kind of my own input into the planner something that i always had wished i had in my training log but didn't so maybe um going back i guess a, a couple uh steps back where we were talking about your college career um mm. eighth place at the ncaa cross country championships what do you remember in particular about that race and how it <laughs> shook, shook out because if it if you look at, i went back and i looked at the results because i was like oh wow like i didn't i knew you finished well but i was like i didn't realize it was that high up yeah. and then just i think like maybe a spot or two behind you is danny jones who ended up winning the 2018 title yeah. and then when you look at just kind of over the years you went from 53rd to eighth what really made led to that big jump um i think it was it really was consistency and I think I was able to go through all of college without being injured. And I think that was like maybe one of my biggest keys to success because I was able to keep training for the most part continuously. I took breaks definitely, but it was never because of being hurt and they're always pretty planned. Um, so I think the consistency and then I think just the learning curve in general of like learning how to race and learning kind of how to respond to my body and what it needs and what it can't do, um, like what the line is. I think just 
four years eventually piled up and I was able to put it all together. But that race actually started out really poorly for me. I was in like 100th place <laughs> in the first 2K. Um, and I was pretty sure, I was like, this is, this could be terrible. Like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And around 3K, I started feeling better. So I started trying to work my way up through the fields. I didn't break the top 10, probably to the last K. So that was pretty nail-biting. My coach was... He had no fingernails left. He was so nervous, but it ended up okay. That last K where you're passing people, were people around you? Could you tell just like how much they were just dying at that point? Or was this more of like everyone's kicking at the same exact time and you just happened to have enough left? Um, No, it was definitely, I was passing people and I remember passing, I remember passing Carissa and then I was like, Oh no, what's going on? Like, I still have a lot left, and my coach was like, go, just go for it. So I just started hammering away, and we got to the last 400, kind of a downhill Louisville, and it was me and Wayney and Amy Eloise. I don't remember. Oh, and um, she runs for Alaska, Anchorage. But we were all together in a group, and that's kind of when – they started to take off and I'm not known for being a kicker. So no surprise that I got ace, but we were all like in the jumble and mix of it for third at that point. So I just, yeah, it was a big sprint to the finish. Just given your background, I mean, obviously this is, it's going to sound so dumb now that I'm thinking <laughs> about it, but I was like, soccer, it's totally flat. There's no Hills, but yeah. <laughs> like with your background being from somewhere at altitude, you, you post a bunch of pictures of you skiing and all this kind of stuff. And mm. so, I mean, you must like hills and like, uh, like just high altitude <laughs> endurance stuff. Yeah. I'm definitely not afraid of it. I think I've earned a little nickname on NAZ elite of the baby mountain goat because I do like hills and um, I seem to be pretty good at them. And I, I like trail running. I like anything that's kind of a little more technical. And I think probably coming from Utah. That's why, but yeah, I'm not afraid of some hills. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> that's a great nickname too. Yeah. It, actually, an up, just kind of, can you fill us in if there was an update so far on, have you guys come up with a nickname yet for the Hoka women? Yeah, we, yeah, we've had like a lot of submissions, but none of them stuck out as like, yeah, that's what I want people to call me. They're all kind of like, eh, I don't know if I really <laughs> want to be called like nasty girls or <laughs> hoka hotties. And I feel like sometimes I usually has use the hashtag as more of a joke, but we have not found our name yet. Still searching. Gotcha. Um, so with cross country, you've got club cross coming up, right? We do. Yep. Mm-hmm. what's the expectation there or like what are you hoping to, to run oh it'd be awesome if i could get on like the NACAC team or even world cross but coming off of being injured all fall i don't have super high expectations and which i like um it's, i'm kind of just gonna go out there and run my hardest and see kind of where i end up but yeah it'd be really cool if i could get on a team to go somewhere um in training what's it been like working out with someone like I guess especially the marathon veterans that you've got there with Steph Bruce and Kellen Taylor where I remember when 
I spoke to Steph last summer. She was saying how, how much she was looking forward to having you guys in the group because it's always exciting to see the rookies on their first couple of days. <laughs> so for um, you, has it been as hard as, as she thought it was going to be? Um, I don't think so, but I think that coming from altitude to altitude, I had adjusted better or had already been adjusted. Um, so it didn't feel like it was any different than working out in Utah. And I think a lot of the other girls would say differently. Um, but it is funny because today, even she made a comment. Me and I was doing a workout with Steph and our schedules have been matching up really well. Um, and our workout was pretty long and everyone else had finished and was cooling down. And they'd done two cool down laps already. And we still were not done with our workout. And I was like, oh my God, they've gone fast twice. She was like, welcome to the life of a 10K and up runner. And I was like, wow, this is my new life now. <laughs> um, so it's fun to have her. And she's so good at pacing and she's just so steady and calm for workouts. So that's great. And then on the flip side, I feel like I have a little more speed so I can kind of inject that when we do faster stuff and get her to get some turnover on the hills and on some 200. So it's a good, I think, balance of young and old. Yeah. Well, not old, old, but like oh, yeah. veteran. <laughs> veteran. <Yeah>. Wise. <laughs> you mentioned 200s. What are you, what are you splitting right now in these 200s at altitude? People are going to be curious now that you heard uh, that. Well, we weren't quite at altitude. We were at Sedona, which is like 4,500 feet. So that's like debatably altitude, uh, especially for 200s. But I, we did eight of them at the end of our workout, which was like six miles in total. And we're hitting 33, 34, and then the last one, it got down to 30. So I was pretty happy with that. But yeah, I don't know. That's pretty impressive. It just, I mean, considering all the factors there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was happy with it. Um, so. Have you dropped <laughs> Steph on like any workout? Like, um, maybe just on the hills. We did a hill circuit and I think you posted a video and I saw you were ahead of yeah, it. And uh -huh. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just the hills for some reason I'm just good at those, but she can definitely lay it on me when she wants to. At this point in their careers when they just talk about, you know, the marathons and the trials coming up, what it what goes through your head when you when they mention, I guess, like contemplating a twenty six point two mile race? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, um, and I think they're a little crazy, and then I think I'm crazy for wanting to be like them one day because I've only run a 10K, and that is 20 miles short of a marathon. So, yeah, it's crazy when they tell me about their mileage and their workouts and how fast they want to run for a whole marathon, and I'm just trying to get through a tempo at that pace, and yeah, big disparity, and I admire them for their tenacity to want to do that. When it comes to the technical aspect of a 10K race, what have you learned about it through working with Ben in terms of just understanding pacing and just total just strategy in general, where it's so different from a steeplechase or anything shorter than that? Yeah, um, I guess I've learned that you can push the pace a little more than I thought I could, or should be pushed and that you can kind of ride the line a little closer. I didn't have 
I had two opportunities to run a 10K in college, and I've only run it twice on the road so far in my life. And each time it seems like the distance gets a little more comfortable and I can be a little more aggressive with it. And I'm just slowly learning that it's, I can handle it and it's not actually that long. It just feels really long compared to a 3K steeplechase. So <laughs> when you did a five, you've done, I guess, like a, you, what did you place that indoors on, on the 5K? Um, I was 10th this year. Gotcha. Or last year. Yeah, and that was what a two hundred meter track or whatever it was. When you, when yeah. It's indoor? yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm getting ready to run my first five k on the track in like a week or two, I think. Inside? When yeah, indoors at the armory. <laughs> and this is for someone, I guess, just in general, mentally, how do you approach doing that many laps? I just did a three k and I got so bored uh -huh. and I was fifteen uh -huh. laps and kind of <laughs> lost lost count. Um. I would say it's like, think of it like a mini 10K and they always say, don't look at the lap counter until it's like 15 or less at least, um, which I always fail to do. And I always look and it says like 23 and I'm like two laps in. But yeah, I just say like get in the rhythm and just kind of turn your mind off, um, focus on the splits. It, it does go by quickly because your splits are only 30 some odd seconds. So right. it's not like... If they take long, the laps seem to click off pretty quick. So just don't look in the lap counter for a while. Yeah. yeah. I'm fortunate enough to know the DJ at the armory. So like okay. I sent in a couple songs beforehand and I'm like, all right, this is good. Like he'll play <laughs> the songs. I'll know kind of where I'm at during the race. So okay. that has been a help. But just yeah, the lap counter is absolutely ridiculous. I can't say don't look. Just don't look. <laughs> Pretend all right. it's nothing. All right, we're going to do the final four questions that I ask every guest. Okay. The first one is, what is the funniest drug testing story that you've got? Okay, well, I've only been drug tested once, and so good thing it was funny. But um, I was staying at my boyfriend's house this summer, but I put my address for all of my stuff, like my bed and everything was what's at my grandma's. And they came on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And, of course, he was awake on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. And my poor grandma calls me. It's like, um, someone is trying to get in the house and they're looking for you. And I don't know if I should let them in. Is it a scam? Because she's totally one of those grandmas that will, like, wire transfer money to Africa because she got an email that, like, someone needs money. No um, way. She's fallen for that she's before? She's done that twice before. <laughs> so I she calls me multiple times I finally wake up and I'm like okay I'll be there soon and I come in and she's like oh I let her in and I gave her tea and cookies and I told her to make herself at home and the drug testing lady is just getting impatient at this point and so my grandma goes upstairs and then they make you handle your own pee for the thing and I spilled it on my grandma's counter <laughs> and she was like just don't tell your grandma and so to this day unless she listens to this podcast she does not know that I've spilled pee on her counter before but I did clean it up properly and it is sanitized now so not to worry I think that's the best story that we've gotten to that question <laughs> ah perfect well good I'm glad I can have that <laughs> um Next one I ask every guest, what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on Let's Run.com? Uh, Me and Alex were trolling it a couple days ago. So it were. It's fresh, yeah. Um, probably that 
we were all B-level athletes that were lucky to get a spot on NAZ Elite because we wouldn't have been able to run otherwise. So I also got told after NCAAs I got sixth in the steeple. And I was only like half a second from fourth, mind you, um, that I had ruined my chances of running professionally. So ha to that person because they were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wow. So wait, how often do you check it? Because you know what, if Steph hears this, she'll probably be like, Grayson, what are you doing? Do not look, go on that thing. Well, Alice sent me a funny link because someone thought they saw me and Scott Fobble wearing Nikes with tapes over the swoosh, which is just completely not true. And yeah, it was a rabbit hole we just got sucked into, but it was kind of funny. We were laughing about it. Um, I actually don't check it that often because I'm not, I don't think good enough to really come up on it very much, so. Not to worry yet. <laughs> um, next one is, if you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold like a conversational page, <laughs> where would this run take place and who would it be with? It doesn't have to be a runner. It could be right. a celebrity or whatever. Huh. That's a good question. Um, I would probably choose the Red Rocks or kind of like imagine like a Grand Canyon scenery or something. I just really love feeling like I'm at Utah, kind of at home. And then, famous person. Probably another, maybe an author, actually. I'm, I really am into reading. Um, I feel like Ernest Hemingway would be a fun choice. He may or may not like me because I'm a woman, but uh, that would be kind of fun. So yeah, maybe him. That'd be, that'd be that'd be a good pick. You know, it's really funny because a couple episodes ago, Scott Fobble compared himself to uh, the Ernest Hemingway of, oh, of running <laughs> when in regards to his book. Okay, <laughs> I um, might be I... <laughs> I might be paraphrasing that completely wrong. I I don't remember exactly what the context <laughs> was, but there was something about him and Ernest Hemingway being very similar. I think it might have been the style that his book is written or something. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to confront him about that yeah. as soon as this is over. He'll bang on his bedroom door. Um, actually, though, Edward Abbey would be fun to run with in a Utah landscape just because he wrote a lot about that and he had some cool perspectives. Cool. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, and the final one has nothing to do with running whatsoever, but it brings <laughs> back your uh, basketball experience. So oh, no. <laughs> you get 25 shots from half court. You, if you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any, then you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots? Ooh, no. I feel like, no, I couldn't go to jail for 25 years. That would be terrible. Good answer. I'll make money some other way. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Um, cool. So I guess to wrap things up, Grayson, where can people find your journals? Okay, so they are available on my website, which is just racing-grayson.com. And there's a big shop button as soon as you pull up the page. So they're hard to miss. And then uh, you can also get to that link through my Instagram, which is racing-grayson on Instagram. Um, And then they're also available, I don't know how much longer we'll have this, but on the NAZ Elite website. So you can buy that along with some of our other team merchandise. Awesome. Are you going to have a couple at 
club cross or something like that? I'm, I'm, yes, I will bring some with me. And if you can find me, you can buy one. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome, Chris. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks to Grayson for taking the time for the interview. Uh, currently, we're lining up a few more interviews over the next couple weeks. So stay tuned for more episodes. Just this past weekend, Jim Walmsley, a friend of the podcast, qualified for the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials by running 64 flat. That's no wiggle room and just exactly what he needed to qualify for the trials. So uh, this is the same guy who won Western States, a 100-mile race in course record fashion last summer. We had him on the podcast right after that, and that's when he kind of floated around this idea of running an Olympic trials qualifier. That's one of my favorite episodes from last year, so go back and check it out. But we are going to try and get him back on the podcast very soon. Stephen Kirsch, who was my co-host for that episode, is working on it. So uh, we'll keep you guys posted on that. I'll also check in on Jared Ward this week to see if uh, his wife had the baby and when we can get him on the podcast. But we've also been in talks with Reed Fisher. He was the top American in the Houston Half Marathon this past weekend. He took his PR from 62.57 to 62.07. Scott Olberding and I, the Sidious Mag stats junkie, we broke down his performance in our Lane 9 column, which you can find on SidiousMag.com. And before that, I exchanged messages with Reed, and he has agreed to come on the podcast very soon, so I look forward to taping that episode. We had him on in some fashion when we did a round table with the Tin Man Elite last summer. So he's technically going to be a recurring guest, but looking forward to just talking to him, especially after a big performance like that. So lots of good stuff coming soon. I will be in Boston this upcoming weekend. So if you are at BU for uh, the track meet, the indoor track meet there, come by and say hello. But for anyone who's not, if you really want to support this podcast, please, please, please leave a five-star review and a nice comment because what it does, it helps other people find the show and allows us to grow. Thanks again to Strava for supporting the show. Visit strava.com slash summit and use promo code Sidious when purchasing an annual Summit subscription and you'll receive the Sidious Mag podcast listener exclusive discount. And also check out their podcast, Athletes Unfiltered. It's out now, and it's definitely in the top 50 last time I just checked a couple minutes ago of the iTunes charts. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. And never forget, legs are feeling good. <laughs>